0: All right, welcome to the Fit Vegan Podcast. I'm your show host, Maxim Seguin, and I'm the founder and CEO of Fit Vegan Coaching, a company that is on a mission to help 10,000 people get lean, thrive, and reduce their risk of chronic illnesses by 2033 and a million by 2050. I believe that having a fit, healthy body and mind is the foundation to living an incredible life, and this is what little we'll show will give you if you choose to listen and implement. Enjoy the episode and have a great day. All right. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fit Vegan Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a special guest, Joseph Blair, the assistant coach for the Washington Wizards and also an uh, ex-Harlem Globetrotter player. Joseph, how are you doing today, man? Man,
1: I'm excellent. Blessed. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: Beautiful. So question for you. Do you prefer to be called Joseph or Coach Blair? Because I saw your episode with Robert and he was calling you Coach Blair the whole time.
1: No, JB, please. I, I actually they, don't like to be called coach at all, crazily enough. I just feel like uh, I am who I am, not what I do. So I don't like to be called coach. Even my players, I tell them not to call me coach.
0: Cool. So we'll go with JB then. So I'm I'm very interested, obviously, in your vegan story, because obviously the podcast is called Fit Vegan Podcast. But I'd love to talk a little bit as to like what got you into basketball, because I know that journey is kind of obviously what led you to care about nutrition and performance and all these aspects together so what what got you into playing ball originally
1: uh honestly it was my mother my mother was a uh avid athlete she uh, grew up in a time and a place where there wasn't really a a sports for women especially where she grew up and she was a, a twin her brother the twin brother Uh, You can imagine putting more pressure on the situation because he was uh, able to participate in all the sports that she couldn't do. And she felt that she could uh, beat him out in almost everything. She, you know, tells me stories of when she could, she always beat them in races, could shoot the ball better, everything. So she was so in love with sports and she kind of just passed that passion along to myself and my brother. And um, she was always my biggest fan and uh, biggest advocate as well. So I really just got it all from her.
0: Nice. And so did you start, obviously you start earlier on, you didn't start like in high school or, or in college, you basically started before high school?
1: Yeah. You know, it's crazy. People ask me all the time when I started playing and I say, I don't remember. I don't remember not being able to dribble basketball. I remember trying to get better at dribbling a basketball, but I don't remember when I learned to dribble basketball. So all my life, I've just been grown, I grew up around basketball. I can say one thing, I was not always the best player. I just really, um, cultivated myself into that. And obviously my, my stature helped a little bit as I continue to grow. I I didn't have this huge growth spurt at any given time. I just kind of grew an inch almost every year. Um, until I got to college. So, um, that helped a lot, but really it was just, I developed a passion for the game. A love for the game is also an escape for me. Um, growing up pretty meagerly it was a a way to get away from things when you grow up without a television sometimes without power sometimes without water going out of the house to do things is a big escape and that was one of the biggest escapes for me it was a way to work off my frustrations work off some of my rage and anger at the same time through sports but uh also it became a bonding method for me as well to have teammates and work with other people and That's one of the beauties of basketball. What I find one of the greatest loves of the game is just to be a part of something greater than myself, working together and side by side with people. And we're all going after the same goal with the same vision in mind. And uh, I know when I stopped playing basketball and I started coaching, those were the things I missed the most. And what I found in coaching is the camaraderie and the competition. So I'm just so blessed to still be around this game that I love, that has provided so much for me. Uh, sometimes I hold that ball in my hand. I'm just amazed like this thing right here has created such a life for me and my family, and it continues to do so for multitudes of people. Even those who don't play the sport, it's a bonding method for so many families as well. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I grew up playing ball as well, I played high school and kind of played college and then got distracted, went in different directions. So I can definitely understand um, the the whole team meet situation and and going on to strips together, playing together and, and just having that community. So I'm curious, like, obviously you're pretty tall. You're six, you're 6'10", I think. Yeah, so you mentioned you grew an inch every year. Like, when did you when did you cap at 6'10"? How old were you?
1: Uh, I was 20, 20 years old. I was finally, I mean, 19 and a half. I'm, I'm guessing it was 20 because I knew at 19 I still grew a little bit, and I, I just kind of stopped then. Um, so I was, you know, I'm to be honest with you, that I just kept growing. <laughs> and also, it's a good because I think a lot of people have those growth spurts look a little clumsy yeah. at times and aren't as coordinated whereas because yeah, i kept man. growing i kept my coordination intact along the way so it was uh, i was really lucky for that
0: yeah yeah i had a growth spurt you just you're running on the court and you're like a spaghetti noodle you're just like skinny and you're just moving left and right and nothing's coordinated and yeah it's hard to to jump um so i i was kind of doing some research before we jumped on the podcast because obviously you kind of came into my to my radar recent like let's say the past few months when you started like being more public about you being vegan. And in the research, I found that you were originally vegetarian. And so when, when did that come about in your journey? Was it through, obviously you played basketball very young, so it had to be at a certain point during your career.
1: It was actually, um, you know, my last year of college in 1996, I was, um, I basically just didn't have any money. And I took the money I had, I went to the grocery store and I started buying those things you can buy in bulk that were cheap. So those ramen noodles, those sack of potatoes, the um, Bag salads that are a dollar, uh, you know, bunches of bananas, all these things. And I was a little chubby in college, you know, really, I just started slimming down immediately, just my body reacted extremely well to it. And at that point, uh, right afterwards, I became I started my professional career. And I just carried that on through all my professional career, 10 years of being vegetarian. Uh, I finally went pescatarian after 10 years for three years, I was pescatarian until I retired from the game. And then uh, when I retired, I kind of was like, okay, I'm good now. I don't need to be in such good shape. I'm going to start eating everything again. And um, it was a few years after, about seven years after that, I was in a relationship and my girlfriend at the time called me one day and said, yo, I just saw this documentary. I am going vegan. I'm never eating animals again. What they do, the animals is is so terrible. I was like, well, I love you. I'll do it with you. And I know I felt better when I was vegetarian than I did at that time. So I was like, it's not a big step to go from vegetarian to vegan actually it is yeah. but I it yeah. was and I became vegan and then I started doing my research into veganism and why why is that why am I doing it why should I do it I got down the rabbit hole of videos of veganism and I recognized one thing in particular you know back in when I was vegetarian it was all about my health and well-being which veganism for sure is as a benchmark almost for health and well-being but yeah. also recognize now that it's really about the, the just conscious living. The fact that no, uh, if I can live without taking a life, that is the rational thing to do. If I can be, uh, if I can be a catalyst for change in the society to understand also that your diet can actually, it, it, it is not just food. It is a living being that you're taking a life away from. Um, so really it's really came. It's, really evolved to such a state from just that vegetarianism thinking, oh, I feel good, I look better, to now, I feel good, I look better, and I know I am doing the right thing.
0: Yeah, so question for you, when you when you first transitioned to vegetarian, obviously you mentioned it was more of a monetary thing at first, kind of buying everything that was like cheaper and in bulk, yep. but... What made you continue to do it once you kind of turned pro or went to kind of play at, at a higher level? I'm just going to make assumptions that the money was probably a little bit better. Um, like, what made you want to continue? <laughs> what made you want to continue on that path of continuing to eat that way, even though like potentially the funds were different?
1: I mean, my energy levels, honestly, I felt like literally I felt better. Um, I, you know, there's a, I, I try to explain to people, especially a lot of carnivores that like when you eat and you get that uncomfortably full feeling as a meat eater that lasts for hours. Uh, When you're a vegan or even vegetarian, you get uncomfortably full. It doesn't last very long. It passes much quicker. And the reason is your body can assimilate and absorb and utilize the nutrients much quicker. So for me, it was just that, like, I literally felt better and I felt, and not only that, but I was playing better. Um, my game elevated i was quicker on the court i was lighter on my feet i had more energy constantly and there was no you know the big the big thing everyone says like where'd you get your protein i didn't like protein you can ask anyone on any team i've ever been on i was always the strongest person on my team in the weight room um and yeah. i was even bulkier then bulkier I mean more muscular i was i typically played it around 265 sometimes 270 pounds and kept my my uh Body fat percentage was typically right at or under ten percent constantly, so it wasn't a yeah. um, wasn't something I was missing at all from my diet. So the better I felt, is was like this was like how why would I not do this?
0: Yeah, so so there wasn't any fear because obviously I'm going to assume like that was way earlier on in the days where it wasn't as cool to be vegan or there wasn't as much information available. There was no fear of potential like. That it would affect performance in a certain extent, that it would affect the amount of lean muscle mass, even though you had some results, but you were still kind of, from what I understand, the only one in your surrounding that was kind of doing it that way.
1: Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, there's always going to be lashback, right? You have people that just don't, you know, they have their beliefs and their beliefs are based on nothing. They just say, because, oh, anytime, if I had an injury, I'd spray my ankle, that's <laughs> because you don't eat meat. <laughs> like knows cuz i wonder <laughs> the first thing <laughs> has nothing to do with what i eat so anytime you have any injury the first thing you try to do is blame your diet and you know it was one yeah. of those things i just like you know what if you if you can believe what you want to believe i know how i feel and i believe if you go back and look at and i would tell my teammates you telling me i don't play good like no, no, you're great. Yeah. Like you tell me I have enough energy because I work harder than most most of you guys. I run faster than you guys. I jump higher than you guys. I, I have more endurance than all of you guys. So what I'm doing is right. If anything, you should be asking me. I should be asking you why you're not doing
0: it. Yeah how how was that playing basically playing pro and being a vegetarian when it is not a part of the norm for most athletes at the time? Were they supportive? Were they more kind of? curious as to what you were doing or they're just like indifferent like oh jb's just doing his thing
1: a little bit of all of it uh i think there was more indifference at the time because it wasn't you know again this was like from 1996 to 2006 there was not uh you know you were lucky to find even a Boca burger at that time and then uh even back then you have to stand i was playing in europe so the, the availability of these things was really unheard of i was eating a lot of pastas i was uh you know, then trying to get protein from different, different sources as well. But I think that most people are curious about it because the one thing they would say is like, you look great. I I can't, you know, I'm not the stereotypical what you imagine when you think about a vegetarian, even today to this day, when you imagine a vegan, you don't mind, imagine this 6'10 black 255 pound guy walking up on you. Like I'm, I'm quite intimidating and I'm, you know, I, I take very good care of myself. So I think that's always been the one thing that's been kind of my saving grace is uh, I'm not what people imagine when they think of vegetarian because a lot of people, especially the the hardcore meat eaters will say, oh, well, look, look how scrawny this guy is, or look how this or that is, and they're not looking at their blood pressure, their cholesterol, their hypertension, all those things that, you know, you can't judge with the eye test, but I know when they look at me, they say, oh, that's one thing they can't say is I'm not scrawny, I'm not small, I'm not weak, I'm not fragile, I'm not none of those things. So it's always been the way it's been for my entire playing career, and even after my playing career, and since I've been vegan now. But most people were somewhat indifferent because they still didn't understand what it meant. Uh, I I remember when I played in yeah. Italy, and I would say, "I'm vegetarian. I don't eat meat." They say, "Oh, we'll have some prosciutto." I'm like, "No, that's meat. <laughs> They're like, no, it's prosciutto. I'm like, no, that's meat." so uh just the understanding of it still really was a new concept more or less and and i take nothing away from those people that have been vegetarian and vegan since the 70s because believe me i still i can imagine what they went through but um, nowadays i feel like there's no excuse I, you know there's any time yeah. any type of thing that you like to eat as a meat eater there is a vegan version of version of that that you could have so it's just amazing how um and the mass marketing and the ability to make money off the things and all the things so the 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 consumer, the consumption is really going up and the the consumer availability is going to continue to rise.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to keep, I want to ask you at the end, some of your favorite restaurants, because I know you travel a lot. Um, But I'm very curious to say that that transition from being vegetarian to pescatarian um, throughout your journey before you became vegan, what made the switch from going vegetarian to pescatarian? What was the the reasoning behind that?
1: There was was a very simple reason, sadly enough, but I went from, uh, I, I spent my last couple of years playing, um, in Russia. And okay. it was just a lack of finding fresh vegetables, <laughs> uh, okay. the lack of being able to get those things. Uh, and in, in a society where that wasn't something that was even, they didn't care about. So yeah. uh, when I started traveling with the team, I when I started getting more salmon, that was the only, the only fish I ate, to be honest with you was salmon. Cause they always gave me salmon, salmon with a little bit of a uh, borscht, which is a beet soup. And I don't even like beets, but I would eat it anyway because I, I wanted something something else. And then just trying to find the, any vegetables and fresh vegetables I could get. And mind you, I I, I think that, again, this goes back to, you look at how many years back it was. And I think people always say, well, oh, that's my excuse now. But it's not like that now. The vegetables, and this is where I, even when people say, oh, well, in biblical times, look, they did that. Well, in biblical times, they didn't have to wait for, you know, in biblical times, they had to wait for this season of winter to pass to get vegetables again. We have things yeah, that aren't in season that you can still get now. So, uh, I, you know, we've made advancements. So, I think that yeah, um, sure. that was my big reason for becoming pesc- pescatarian during that time. And uh, yeah. And then when I retired, like I said before, I went back and I, I always say I fell off the wagon. It was just a matter of you know, I don't need this anymore. I don't need to feel this way anymore. Now I can kind of eat any, anything and everything I want. And it was interesting. Once I did that, I went to play basketball, um, about maybe a year into me doing that, uh, eating everything. And I, uh, tore my ACL and I okay. didn't realize it at the time. Like, okay, well, you know, oh, well it happens. And then I went to the doctor and, um, the first thing they do when you walk to the doctor is they weigh you and take your height. And I was, 25 pounds overweight compared to my playing weight. I was almost, I was almost 300 pounds. And I realized, yeah. you know, this is the way I'm eating is absolutely terrible. So I got a better diet pattern, better workouts, but really was when I became vegan, everything changed, even for my body all over again. It was, it was interesting because you, A lot of it was so, oh, I'm retired now, so of course I don't feel good here. I don't feel good there. It's just different. As soon as I turned vegan again, the inflammation started going away. My weight was so maintainable and sustainable. It was ridiculous. My, my, I didn't have these peaks and valleys of energy. Everything was just like... I, I can't even explain to people when they say, did you feel a difference? I'm like, hell yeah, I felt a difference right away. And it didn't take long at all. And yeah, I lost a lot of weight when I first started. And people say, well, I, I quit because I lost a lot of weight. I said, well, okay, well, if you eat chocolate cake every single day, all your life, then you stop eating chocolate cake for like a week, you're going to lose some weight. That's exactly yeah. what it's like when you become vegan. And on top of everything, it's like all you did was load yourself with cholesterol. Now you're loading yourself with fiber. Your body's like, thank you. You're giving me a chance to clean some of this stuff out. And I dropped a lot of weight immediately, and I picked up all my weight back again. Not all of it, but I picked up the good weight back again. But all in that whole process of losing the weight and gaining it back, I lost zero strength. I was still lifting weights through every single thing and I did not become any bit weaker. My endurance didn't change. If anything, I had more energy, but my strength maintained the same.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful because it, it is true that a lot of people will mention that they that they're losing weight and and yet yeah, they notice a difference when they transition. So I'm curious for you being vegetarian, pescatarian to retiring, which I feel like a lot of athletes after they kind of retire or they stop being an athlete, put on a bunch of weight because it's like, yeah. I can enjoy myself a little bit more, um, but you're not as active also. And people can blame it on the body aching, like, oh, it's just catching up from all the years of volume, right? And they'll, they'll blame the the pains and aches on that versus kind of their nutrition changing. So how how was that? You mentioned the energy was kind of up and down when you went back to kind of eating meat, but I'm curious, was there anything else that you noticed from transitioning back to not being vegan and then obviously transitioning to being vegan, you already covered that part after.
1: I think the the other thing I mean, you can talk about the inflammations for sure, the energy levels for sure. My complexion got better right away. Like every like literally, I I can't tell you a part of my life it didn't benefit. Um, But the 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 changes were almost immediate, and it's crazy. I remember I didn't even think about it, and I was talking to one of my uh, coaches one time just about being vegan, and he was asking me about the energy and the strength and how it changes. And he's like, and when did your complexion get so clear? And I was like, I didn't even, gosh, you're right. I didn't even think about that. But it's <laughs> a it's a wonderful byproduct of eating healthy and getting the all that extra cholesterol and grease and things out of your diet.
0: Yeah, so uh, I'm curious. Do you feel that the, the league is a little bit more open now to kind of veganism? Obviously, there's I know there's some big players that are a little bit more vocal about it, but do you feel like there's a, a bigger interest in it compared to the past few decades.
1: 100%, 100%. I think besides there are some great, some players that are actually starting to advocate for veganism. But I think also that, um, this is where I kind of talked about before. I think that before, if you think about what was happening, there was this huge influx of money and marketing putting put into dairy industry, meat industry, pork industry, uh, eggs, cheese, all these things. Um, now, and, and honestly, the, that is an issue with, you know, globally, you know, we all fall victim to um, just mass marketing. But now there, because there's actually money to be made in veganism, now that marketing is starting to be scaled up there as well. And the difference is also they're marketing that with, um, with education as well. People are becoming educated about it and saying, wait, I was told this food pyramid thing was the way to go. And now they're like, well, that was actually, that was funded by the dairy and meat industry, the food pyramid was. So really look at it. You don't really need that. And this is really better. And this is good. And people are like, whoa, hold on. Well, wait, if that's true, maybe I should try that. And gosh, that doesn't look too bad. That actually looks really good. Um, so these advancements in not only culinary skills, number one, because we're not, we're no longer in that meat of potatoes era, where everyone just, everyone's fine with just having a piece of meat and a on a baked potato people in general want more out of their culinary choices so now when you start thinking about that and you add in veganism this is a plethora of flavors of colors of everything in these foods plus you add in the marketing dollars that are getting uh, the influx of marketing dollars to push veganism and vegan products plant-based products i think there's going to continue to be a rise in that and obviously nothing happens uh inside the league that doesn't happen in the world in general when it comes to influencing, right? Whether it's music, whether it's fashion, whatever it might be. Now we might be bigger influencers once it hits our platform for sure, but it's still influenced by something in the outer world. And as long as the outer world continues to influence diet with the marketing, with the the understandings and again, culinary choices. We the one beautiful thing about being in the league, a lot of people have the options to eat anywhere they want and anything they want. So as they continue to uh, taste test and uh, become more open-minded to it, and I think also we, now we have team dietitians that travel with us and take care of your meals. And you know, there's other options, even just your protein powders and protein drinks. It's not all just a bunch of whey protein or caseins. There's tons of plant-based proteins out there, whether it's pea protein or hemp proteins, uh, you know, there's so many different options out there that I think that are continues going to are gonna push the envelope forward. And this understanding that some of those proteins aren't the best for you if, if you're trying to not just bulk, but for sustain- sustainability through your life.
0: Yeah. And I feel like a lot of, I was talking to, uh, uh, Brendan Haywood, I think it was like a few years ago. We, we coached him for a little bit because he's vegan, uh, as well. And he was telling me, he's like, yeah, we have a chef and just like they'll prepare everything for us. So do you think that makes it obviously easier for athletes to not necessarily have to know how to like have those skills to cook delicious vegan food? And then just like, Hey, let me just give this a shot, give it to the chef and kind of prepare the food.
1: Yeah. Well, not only that, but like, because you have the chef, typically there's always like, we have a chef at our facility and there's always a bunch of side items that I kind of mix together. And then they have their meat products as well. But you know, every day I get a choice of either like lentils, chickpeas, uh, beans, different colored lentils, whether it's, you know, brown lentils or yellow lentils, French lentils, braised uh, braised uh, chickpeas, uh, you know, there's always something there, black beans, braised black beans, um, kidney beans, like there's always something that I can grab it and there's always greens, there's rice, there's everything in a salad too. So there's options there now, and even if for players in particular, which I could personally put in a special request, but I just think they do such a great job, I don't need to. But I know the players could do the same as well. If there's something they want to request, the chef will definitely adhere to that. And this is just with the team I'm on now. This happened on every NBA team I've been with. They've been really yeah. good about the diet and helping people. If you have any dietary restrictions, if we have a gluten-free people, we do that. If we have people that have nut allergies, we take care of that and we make sure they have their own. Sp- stuff that doesn't get touched by anything else so um it, it's much easier i will say that's the one thing uh and i know there's a lot of everyday people probably watching this thing well i don't have a chef but i promise you like a lot of the things that i'm talking about making aren't difficult to make and they take yeah, pretty simple the yeah. time is much lower than a lot of the the meat based things you're making the way to cook it and the, the plethora of it and honestly especially if you're making it at home it's cheaper
0: yeah, it's it's definitely cheaper. And I was gonna say, man, I need I need I need a training facility near my house. I'm just gonna go and live <laughs> there, train and eat there all day. Um, you you mentioned there's a there was a documentary that your uh, your girlfriend at the time has brought up for you. What was the documentary that you watched?
1: You know, great. this everyone asked me that, and I never remember because literally she sent me one, and then I. As, I, as soon as I finished it, I clicked the link to another one. I saw that one. Yeah. I clicked the link to another one. I was in this rabbit hole of vegan documentaries to the point where I don't even remember which one it was that got me started in the first place. But I just, I was just like bombarded by so much, all this information. And not only that, but I, I, it's, it's crazy to me how irrationally we were. I was thinking up until that. Yeah. Point, like literally just irrational. I, I have conversations with people all the time. I say, think rationally for a second. Just let's talk about dairy. Like, yeah. rationally speaking, if, without any preconceived notions, if I told you that woman over there is lactating, would you like some of her breast milk? you look at me like I'm insane. But if I tell you, yeah. hey, there's a thousand pound beast over there that's lactating, you want some of it? You're
0: like, yeah, yeah put it there's on There's a seat. monkey, there's a goat, I there's another yeah, animal. I like, you know? I said,
1: like, we are the only mammals on this planet that take milk from another mammal, like, Cows don't yeah. drink gorilla milk, gorillas don't drink goat milk, goat don't drink elephant milk. yet somehow we decided, hey, I want to take milk from that thing over there. and even worse, I'm gonna take it, let it go bad, then shred it and put it on top of stuff. <laughs> it's, it's like I, if you think rationally, that is insane that we do that. yeah. Uh, so you know that's why I was when I started watching those things, I just started thinking, oh my gosh, where what have I been thinking? I've been brainwashed, I've been brainwashed, I've been hoodwinked and bamboozled. I have never. I will never be anything but vegan the rest of my life just for the simple fact that they tried to do me wrong. They did me dirty and they tried to trick me into believing something that is not true.
0: Yeah, do you, do you, obviously I'm sure you know vegan Olympian, Doutsy Bouch, she has a Switch for Good nonprofit organization that does work against the dairy industry, you ever heard of her before?
1: I'd love to know her more. <laughs>
0: Oh, I'll definitely make an intro between the two of you. She's awesome. So a vegan Olympian athlete, I think the oldest one in kind of the cycling that, that one, she's, she's awesome, which has a nonprofit that fights against the dairy industry because when she was in the Olympics, they were sponsored by the dairy industry, right? The whole Got Milk campaign. And she's like, yo, none of the athletes are really drinking it, but they're using the image to promote it, kind of like what we spoke yep. about earlier. So obviously you played during the got milk era. Like, was it, do you see a lot of like NBA athletes just start chugging milk left and right because it was becoming a thing?
1: (laughs) I I, I saw no one chugging milk at all. And (laughs) it's crazy because most people, uh, you always have this conversation. Us as vegans, we see this all the time. So other people that aren't vegan probably don't say it. They're like, yo, you're not lactose intolerant. You're just not a baby cow. That's it. So yeah. a lot of people say, like, I, I don't, milk doesn't do well with me. You know how many people I hear say that? It's like, yeah. yeah, it's because you're not supposed to be drinking that. And uh, even our, you know, I, I very rarely nowadays will see anyone drink milk. Uh, and especially yeah. not athletes. Athletes in particular, they're very specific about the milk they will drink. And typically it's, you know, we have choices of almond milk, coconut milk, um, cashew milk, um, a, a soy milk even. There's a quite a few choices. The only thing that I still see this pre, pre, prevalent, and I think that people don't understand what that whey is a form of dairy. That's what I was so going to say. Whey protein, protein, protein is... They're thinking, well, it's whey. It's not dairy. Well, no, that's a, that's a, a milk isolate. It's still the same thing. So I think that's the one thing that I think that people have yet to really understand, take to the next level, because they've tricked them by using that word instead of saying yeah. it's milk proteins.
0: Yeah, I was going to say there's a big disconnection for milk derivatives for a lot of people outside of kind of drinking milk. So did you, I found this with a lot of people. Did you find yourself being more compassionate and empathetic once you kind of transitioned to veganism and you kind of saw the bigger picture of what that industry involved?
1: 100% and it's one of the big things I say now when I say I, I live more consciously is the interconnectedness of everyday decisions that we make. Uh, and it starts with your, your diet, like as soon as you understand that the food choice you make affects a living being. And not only does it affect this living being that I took its life, but it also affects mm-hmm. this planet um, and global warming, greenhouse effect. It also you know, affects the, the ability to feed people on this planet it affects everyone around you. And as you begin to understand that just your diet choice can do all those things, that one meal that you like, well, no, I'm the only one eating this. You can do what you yeah. want. I'm going to eat this. But yeah, your choice is affecting my ability for my great grandkids and habit, this planet, because you decided you wanted that meal. And as you start doing that, you start thinking, okay, well, what are the choices in my life? And the way I treat people, the way I talk to people can affect everything on a mass scale and it has really changed my life into a more conscious living in everything I do, the way I react with people, the way I react to people, um, the way I yeah. interact with people, the way I just relate to people in, in general has really shifted. It's just understanding because you start seeing everything as a, a living being and not a thing. And yeah. I think that's one of the big differences between a, a vegan that does it for the right reasons, I should say, and a non-vegan is you understand that these aren't things. They're not, they're not uh, commodities. These are living beings with spirits and souls that feel that have nervous systems that feel pain, they're emotional. Yeah. Um, and when you come to that and you understand that, you know, how could I do that to a cow? How can I do it to another person? And as you really yeah. uh, attribute that to every aspect of your life, you can't help but to live more consciously and more, more of a compassion and understanding and more empathetically.
0: Yeah. You ever been to animal sanctuary before?
1: I have not yet.
0: Oh man. Highly recommend just anyone. There's a lot in different cities, but I had the opportunity to play fetch with a cow. Like there was like a big ball and the cow would like run after the ball and be so happy and big eyes. And I was like, man, you never see that stuff. And I grew up a farmer. We, we grew up farmers. Like we, unfortunately we killed our own chicken and we had geese and everything we were like rednecks growing up, basically if you want to put it that way, but ultimately I, we never had the opportunity to kind of see that side of animals. And once I got to the animal sanctuary, like the animals can feel that they're free. And so they interact differently. You can tell that they're happy in some odd way. And it just it change, completely changes your relationship to your perception of animals at that point.
1: Yep. I, I yeah. think it's it's interesting because even what you just said, they can tell they're free. They are, they, these, they're, they're beings that have feelings. And I think that, well, I say, well, look at, well, look at them. They don't even know. Well, okay, put a person in the same situation that they've went through and how numb would they be? So a lot of animals yeah. that people see and think that are being slaughtered and it's okay. It's because they look numb. Well, they've been numb because they've been nothing but tortured and disregarded their entire life. If any human being was put through that same process, they look pretty numb as well. And then when you give them a new life and you give them a new understanding, you treat them as if they are someone and not something it's just they react the same way any any human would react
0: yeah absolutely so for you it's the the animal cruelty that most resonated with you first and then kind of like the health kind of piled on into it the health the environment and all those aspects i think it was a
1: little bit of both because obviously because i was vegetarian before the health thing was a big thing for me it's like when my girlfriend said hey i'm going vegan i was like i'll do it with you because i felt better when i was vegetarian so i know health wise i'll feel better but i will say like when i now have these Debates with non-vegans, um, you know, and I start talking about, you know, this is better for your body because this, 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 and you know they'll debate me, you know, till they till they're blue in the face about things that they'll say yeah. no, but because this, because that, and you know, I, even though I disagree with most of the things they're saying, and science proves a lot of things they're saying are wrong, when I come back and say, hey, but I just personally believe nothing should have to die for me to live, and if I can do that, if I can if I can cause no death by living. Why is that not the best choice for my life and for everyone's life? Why do you choose to cause death? It is literally your greed because you don't need that chicken wing. You don't need that steak. You can live, you can thrive without that. You're just choosing your greed because I like the way it tastes. So I'm going to take a life. And if that's the case, that's greed. And there's nothing you can say other other than the fact that, yeah, you're right. I'm greedy. And what's crazy yeah. is also, I always have people to say to me, Oh, you're right. You're right. I could just never do it. Said, well, yeah. <laughs> or I tried. Is you have zero discipline, and that's fine. You know, not everyone has their limitations, but you know, if you're saying you're right, you can, and you can't do it, and you're just saying you're not just disciplined. I always have this conversation with people when um, I talk about my, my personal life, like, could I date a girl that's not vegan? And I always say, Yeah, no way. No way. I couldn't. And my reason is just that if I can tell you everything that's wrong about something. You say, I like, talked to a girl before and I said, you, you know, this is why you should be vegan." this. And you're like, you know what? You're totally right. I just, I just can't do it. So, you yeah. know, it's morally wrong yet you choose to do it anyway. So why would you not yeah. cheat on me? <laughs> Cause yeah. you know, it's morally wrong, but you like, <laughs> you're, you're going for the sense and feeling of something. same thing with your food. So if you, if you can do that, why would I think that you're going to be better with me? So it really comes down to just personal discipline and understanding of what's your moral compass really look like. And really, if, if you can say, I'm okay with causing death, then maybe you really need to take a better look at yourself.
0: Yeah. That's actually going to be one of my questions is like, do you have a partner? And if so, is she vegan? Um, so that's interesting. You're, you're locked in into your partner being vegan. Um, and obviously I understand from a, a value standpoint, um, Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. My, my current fiance, she was, she wasn't vegetarian. She was like a Mastro's girl steakhouse type of person when I met her and I was when we moved in together, I was like, I respect your choices, but ain't no meat touching these pans. Like you buy, (laughs) we're going to buy a separate set of pans, you know? And when you're cooking, like I'm going to be out the house. I don't want to smell that stuff. And now she's been vegan for eight months. I just like slowly worked on it (laughs) and she slowly transitioned.
1: Wait, I mean, Feel free to use what I just said. If you know it's morally wrong and you can still do it, how can I trust you? <laughs>
0: exactly. Yeah. So I know I know that she transitioned and she has it in her, but I definitely I never thought about the aspect that yeah, it is a a character trait that you need to consider in someone if they know that it's wrong and are still choosing to move forward with it. I'd never thought of it that 100%. way. One hundred percent. Yeah. So I'd I, I love to ask you just a, a greater picture in terms of Kind of where the world is shifting in terms of veganism, because it was very interesting doing some research into you before the episode. Um, I've only found a few things in terms of veganism, and I've been in the vegan space for a little while. I've been vegan for for nine years. I've been doing this stuff for a while, and I was like, oh, how come I never heard of like JB in that way before?" Because again, I used to. We went to Harlem Harlem Globetrotter games. That was the only basketball game I've ever gone to that my parents could afford to go to. Never been to NBA game yet. One day, I'll I'll, I'll make my way through it. So I'm curious, like, what made you kind of be more public about it now? Because I saw you did an interview with Veg News and kind of like your publicist in the vegan space as well. Like, what made you want to kind of step into the light and and be more have more of a voice in in this space?
1: I think that uh, really it went back to this thing of like – the misconception of it and misunderstanding of, of what veganism is, because now I'm like, I believe I, I am, I'm vegan and I know I'm vegan. And I remember one, one of the coaches I work with one time called me militant vegan. I was like, thank you. I like that, yes, I'm, I'll be that. And, but it was the more I, I um, would meet people and say I'm vegan. And they would say to me, so what do you eat salad and tofu all the time? And I started just like, you know what? I'm going to start showing people what I eat because if they see what I eat, they'll understand that it's like, they're, they're shameful in the way they're thinking. So I started just here and there posting my food and what I was doing. And then I, I, then I would sit there and watch TV and I'd see like diners, drive-ins and dines and this food show and that food show. And I was like, wow, they never show anything like where I can go eat. It all looks good, but... They never show anything I need. So let me start putting that out. And I started this thing, The Vegan Diaries, where I'm just like, okay, this is a restaurant I went to. And I'm lucky where I travel in NBA. So I'm going from city to city. This is where I ate. This is what I had. Check it out. If you're ever here, you should check it out. If you have another place you think I should try, let me know. And the more I got into that, the more I started, kind of the momentum started picking up. And people started saying, well, hold on. Tell me, you know, I'm in this city. What do you think I should go eat? know or they start asking more and more questions and the more i realized that um that i could use my platform to really help people uh understand what veganism is and yeah it, doing so uh, as i said before you're not just helping people understand what veganism is but you're also helping the planet helping species helping conscious living helping people understand uh that their their dietary decisions affects more than just themselves it's a it's a it's a greater scale. So I've just kind of been like this snowball effect. And um, you know, I've been blessed. I obviously I, I published this. this is amazing. Mary Beth, by the way, I know you're gonna see this, you're freaking awesome. But, you know, just I remember meeting with her and her talking to me, and I for me it was very simple. And I'm just like, you know, this is why I do it. This is why I think it's important. And she was like, yeah. More people need to hear what you're saying because yeah. You make sense of it and you're so much not what people expect when you think about a vegan and i was like well for me it's just the way i live it's, it's crazy because i always have these amazing stories but I tell people and they're not amazing to me they're just my life but you know yeah. once you start talking to people and i think you could say the same you know you're like well it's just something i did because that it was in me to do it and then people hear it, and you're like that story needs to be told And now I'm realizing that, you know, one of the one of my favorite phrases when it comes to um, even spirituality is like, let my let my testimony be your prophecy and let because I went through it, help you understand that you can go through it. And I would be uh, joking with myself if I did that only in my spiritual context and understanding that this is something that affects lives, this affects our planet, that affects my kids, affects people, affects affects spirits, expect, affects beings. So if anything that I'm, I'm doing just as I said, let my prophecy be your I mean, let my testimony be your prophecy of understanding I did this, you can do it too. It's not it's not insane.
0: Yeah. Well I'm happy to have you on this side <laughs> of the Fitvegan community for sure. Might be even insight of telling a story. And and then you're right, there's so much power in telling stories because you never know who's gonna resonate with the whole thing or parts of it. Um, I'll just kind of share this quickly. You you're familiar with Tony Robbins? I'm going to assume that you are. Yep. Yeah. So I had the opportunity to hang out with him in, in Hawaii. I got my. I've been waiting 15 years to take this photo with him. But basically, like when he's on stage with people, he'll grab one person and talk to them, and then hundreds and thousands of people in the room will have breakthroughs just because they're all relating to the story that the person is sharing. And that's why I appreciate you coming on the podcast because. There's a ton of people that will resonate with the whole thing or tidbits of it, but that could be the thing that pushes them over the edge of like, you know what, if JB can do it, like, let me just actually give this like a fair shot. And so I'd love to ask you for your, let's just go with, uh, with three to five pieces of advice for people that are looking to transition to eating, to eating vegan. What are like, so from your experiences, what are things that you can share with them to help them in that journey?
1: Well, I think the immediate thing is people, it, it's kind of like, um, you know, meat eating and for some is like alcoholism It's something that you just, you don't know anything better. That's all you've been yeah. doing. So I understand that cold Turkey isn't for everybody. Um, you may be maybe one time a week and then make that one time, two times and then make that two times, three times after three months, maybe try it for four times and get to it. But the so, Give give yourself an opportunity and give it a real fair shake. And the other thing I really want to explain to people, cause there's another thing that happens way too often is people say, I went to a vegan restaurant for it. It was terrible. I've been to <laughs> some meat restaurants that are pretty freaking awful too. Um, yeah. Don't judge everything by one, one situation. It's like saying I'll never have a girlfriend again because I had one bad girlfriend. It, yeah. It's not the same. Um, and the second thing I would say is give yourself grace. You know, I, You know, I tell people when I meet them all the time, there's like, I'm not vegan. I said, well, you are until you eat again. As of right now, you're vegan (laughs) and you can claim it until you eat another piece of meat. So if you do and you're like, well, I just, I, I got weak. I ate that. Well, fine. You're vegan again now. That's done. Yeah. So give yourself some grace and understanding of it. But, uh, and then the last thing is really just like, like I said before, just really associate what you're eating and where it's coming from. Don't look at it as a, you know, a chicken nugget. That is a, a lump of flesh. Yeah. Don't look at it as a hamburger. That is cut up dead flesh. They compact it and burn it and and put it in front of you. And then what's on top of that? That's you know that's basically cow breasts that's gone bad yeah. and they melted it over the top. For you to consume really start thinking about that and I, i'm sorry to, it sounds so vulgar but there's no other way to say it that's what it is. Yeah, is what like, it is no, yeah. don't say that to me like that and like i'll say smells like dead flesh in here does. Yeah. It's dead flesh that's exactly what it is so really associate really truly associate what you're eating where it's come from and when you start doing that and really processing that no longer look at that as a hamburger but a lump of dead flesh that's been burnt or you know whatever it might be like those you really start associating those things with where it's really from and i always say this like you know people say like well fish is different well when you take a fish out of water what does it do it jumps around why does it jump around because it's fighting on
0: air so it
1: understands that it's dying and and it if it has a a capacity to know to fight for its life then you have the capacity to understand that you're killing it and the choice you make is taking its life so um yeah it's you know, just so just hidden. That, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and again, once you start really doing that, you're going to see how you're m- manipulated into believing otherwise. And if you're okay with being manipulated, then, you know, so be it. Me personally, I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with that. When you find out you've been manipulated, when I found out, that's the one reason I know I will never go back to being a meat eater again. And I also want to say this. So if you will say, you don't miss this, yeah. Yeah. like when I'm, I'm Dead serious. Like People say, well, what do you miss the most? I miss lemon pepper wings from Wingstop. <laughs> That's what I miss. Mean. <laughs> but I'll never eat them again because yeah. I know two wings is one chicken. If you get a dozen wings. You just killed six chickens for that. Yeah. For what? For a meal that probably you're going to be mad you ate later because you're going to be burping it up. Nor did you really taste it. How many times have you eaten a meal and you say, how oh, was it good? It was all right. Or you eat it while yeah. you're driving, just scarping something down. You literally took a life and you didn't even notice you did it. Yeah, be more be just be more conscious of what you're doing when you make your choices, and understanding that those are lives you're taking. That's not a meal you're having; it is a life that's been taken.
0: Yeah, I, I love those. I haven't thought about those analogies in such a long time, but it is true. When you eat two wings, basically, that's a, like a chicken that's gone right there. And I, for me, the big one was like a, a piece of steak is literally like a slab of. If you're got a slab of someone's leg, that's yeah. literally what a, a steak is, basically, and it. I can't look at it when I walk in the grocery aisle, I just grab another aisle where I just, I look at the ground and I look the opposite direction.
1: Yep, I am, I, I'm um, the exact same way. And I just think that, that again, that people, if you really, it's, it's, you, you become so numb to what it really is, but if you look at it, like really look at it.
0: Yeah, I would love to dive into like your, some of your top vegan restaurants, because obviously you had the opportunity to travel a lot. Um, and so first I wanna ask, you've heard of the app Happy Cow? Of yes, course? of course okay okay cool i was you're talking about different restaurants and trying different things i'm like that's a really good resource oh yeah i use it all the
1: drive. time I, especially when i go to like right now uh we just got to portland and we're at a hotel that we've never stayed at it's a brand new ritz carlton and i'm like okay let me find i'm gonna put on my happy cow and see what's close because i i'm big on i want to go to the ones i walk to i don't like yeah. to call it uber to get to one. Cause I'm like, by the time I Uber there and back, I've spent 20 bucks. And I haven't even eaten anything yet. So yeah, uh, I want to, you know, I'd rather spend that 20 bucks on the food. So I usually try to find the closest place to me and I'll walk to it. Nice. But I love happy cow. It's such a, I mean, honestly, it was a godsend for vegans in my opinion. There's another one called vanilla bean that I use sometimes as well uh, because okay. I think that some, some restaurants actually may have to pay happy cow to be able to use it or put yeah. their name in there. So because of that, I try to check, you know, sometimes I'll just go on Google and say vegan restaurants as well to see what comes up. It depends on what city I'm in because uh, some there's like such a plethora of restaurants. It's uh, amazing. And then other yeah. ones, other ones, like I may the closest one, may be five miles away on Happy Cow. So I'll check another way.
0: Yeah. What's the, what's the, the other one called Vanilla Bean? Is that what you said?
1: Vanilla Bean. Yeah.
0: Okay. I've never heard of that one before. I'm, I'm definitely yeah, really it, looking at that. Yeah,
1: it's a very uh, under the radar one
0: okay oh awesome so uh, i'm curious to hear what's your favorite vegan sushi spot that you've ever been to
1: Ooh, golly
0: those are hard there is
1: a place in las vegas well off the strip and i, I actually don't want to i want to say it's probably not in vegas and gosh i wish i could remember the name of it um but it's i would look up vegas, vegas sushi and it's one of the top ones there and it is uh Amazing! Like you're gonna make me want to look it up right now because it is so good. I want to make sure I give them their shout out. But it's uh yeah. That's the one. Anytime I'm in Vegas, I go there for sure. Um,
0: My fiance is there right now. My, I might be flying out there in a day or two, so oh, I have to man, check it out. This
1: place is. Uh, let me make sure I'm at the right one because there's yeah. A,
0: while you a while place. you look for that, you ever heard of a Mackin Sushi in LA in yeah. uh, Agoura Hills, L.A. No. Oh man, it's they have like pieces of fish that that has like the nerves and the like muscle ligaments, but it's tapioca. Like they, they make it oh, to wow. look like fish. And it's honestly one of the best ones I've I've had. But I've never I've never tried the one in Vegas yet. So I definitely want to check that one out.
1: It's uh it? Shiku Vegan Sushi Bar.
0: Shiku Vegan Sushi Bar. I okay, that's perfect.
1: It. Let me make sure I'm looking at the right – If I look at the pictures of it, I can tell for sure.
0: And is it fully vegan or do they have vegan options? Fully
1: vegan. Fully vegan. Okay. It, it is by far one of the most amazing sushi places I've been, ever been to. And then there's Chef Kenny's Vegan Dim Sum in Vegas. Amazing dim sum. And they have some sushi rolls too, but they have like the, the pork rolls, the pork buns, yeah. everything. And then the Modern Vegan in Vegas is – You know, you can that's always a great go to, especially if you like like the chicken and waffles and all the like southern comfort food. And they also have like Buddha bowls, healthy stuff as well. Um, And then, well, it's Nacho Daddy actually has some pretty good vegan burritos and tacos and they're right there. on the That's in Vegas, too, right? Yep. Yep. That's all. All these are Vegas. Yeah,
0: Yeah. yeah. I've been to that one. Nacho Daddy. I've been to that one. That was really good. There's a a heavy meal. (laughs) A Slice
1: of Heaven, I think, is a pizza place right in between. It's in the walkway between Mandalay Bay and Luxor, and they're pretty good. Like for pizza, it's pretty decent. Okay, that's well, all that was gonna on be my
0: the- next. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was gonna be my next one. Like your favorite vegan pizza spot? Is it still the one in Vegas, or would it be somewhere else in the states?
1: So there was a place in DC that was called Pie Pizzeria, and I know they have other locations. And that, by far, is the best vegan pizza I've ever had. It's it, it is um, Chicago style, so it has it's a thicker crust. And they put the sauce on the top, but it's a cornmeal crust. And that cornmeal crust is just amazing. And then they have vegan sausage and vegan cheese. And then I would just put all the veggies in there. And because it's all baked together, the vegan cheese melted so well in there. And for most vegans, you know, that's our point of contention is there like, yeah, it looks like melted
0: plastic sometimes. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, but this one, there's, I I will say, by the way, like when I started, you know, I've been vegan nine years now too. And like my first start of the vegan cheese was absolutely terrible. We've made some great yeah. strides. Thank you, vegan cheese companies, for coming up with that. I appreciate that. Yeah, but that, that should like, didn't melt, like man. The best vegan vegan pizza I've ever had was that place.
0: Nice, yeah. That shit didn't melt. Like I've been vegan for nine years. That shit didn't melt. It was just like plastic that curled up and got hot. That's all you had on top of your yeah. pizza.
1: Actually, whenever I would make stuff at home, uh, you know, again, they're better now. But back then, I would actually put it on top of whatever, and you know, it doesn't melt. But I put it in my oven and put it on broil to make it yeah. melt. That's the only way I can yeah. get it to melt
0: correctly. Yeah. Uh, vegan vegan burger spot. Best vegan burger you've had.
1: Honestly, I am a vegan burger snob somewhat. I, I make vegan burgers at home a lot, but I will say in D.C., there's two places I really like. There's um, Bubby's Burgers. It's, if you've been to D.C. or go to D.C., definitely give it a shot. It's all vegan place. And there's also Plant Burger, which we have them in D.C. They're inside the Whole Foods. There's also a New York location. I've been to the one in New York as well. And they're pretty darn good burgers right there. Um, As far as going to a restaurant, I've never been to like a real sit-down restaurant where the vegan burger really blew me away. I can say that because typically, you know, they're buying the frozen patties. Yeah,
0: Beyond and stuff.
1: But again, uh, uh, again, nowadays, if you can go to a restaurant and you can get an Impossible Burger or Beyond Burger, you're doing pretty good because it wasn't like that. It was a hockey puck years ago.
0: Yeah. And it fell apart easily because it was like beans and chickpeas. There was nothing to hold it together. Exactly. Um, So last one, just overall favorite vegan restaurant you've ever went to?
1: Oh man! There's a, <laughs>
0: another place
1: in on DC right now. It's called Elizabeth. She make me want to Vaughan go to DC raw. now. They're all there. It's just <laughs> gone raw, and this is by far like it is an experience. It's not just a restaurant. You know, they have it's a course meals. They pair wines with the courses. All wines are vegan. All food is vegan. The chef does everything in house. Um, they make their cheese in house. They make their pastas in house. They make all their even if it is a a meat substitute that's made in-house uh they have a vegan okay. caviar that's like the most i've had probably three or four different vegan caviar some places nothing compares to what they have at elizabeth's gone raw and uh so i, I highly recommend that and ask to speak to elizabeth she's there. amazing woman as well uh another place is crossroads kitchen i i, yeah. I highly recommend the one in vegas because it is like the the most upscale of them they're upscale but like it is a you know they have a piano player inside the restaurant it is an amazing place so if you've been to the crossroads which you've never been to the one in vegas go to the one in vegas it's a different experience for sure uh those okay. are probably my two where i would say if, if there's ever a chance i'm going there when i'm in vegas too i go there for the summer league i've gone i go to crossroads i'm there about a week and a half to two weeks i go at least three times
0: yeah now, I've never been to that one. I've only been to the ones in L.A. here. And it's definitely, I feel like that's a challenge with some vegan restaurants is if you know you want to have like just a nice dinner, you want to dress up and stuff. Like exactly. the, the options are a little bit limited, but they're starting to come up a little bit more.
1: Yeah. And, you know, there's always the the plantas are great. You know, planta, planta queen, yep. planta cocina, all those are great. And they're, and they're more upscale than a lot of what we're accustomed to as vegans. A lot of people places like are just like, it's almost like a takeaway place or you order at the yeah. counter. So those ones that are more upscale are or, or few and far between. Honestly, I'd love to see more of them. There are some other ones. There's a, another one in um, in Vegas that I really like. I just went to for the first time this past year, Saffron Vegan Vegetarian Eatery or Vegan Eatery. It's, it's really nice. The the ambiance is amazing. But I will say, if you've gone to Crossroads, I've been to the one in LA. I've been to the one in Calabasas as well. The one in
0: um, in Vegas just it's like blows them away. Nice, yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out when I go up there, and I've got to check out D.C. I didn't know there was that much of like a like a hot spot for so many vegan restaurants. Yeah, I mean, I would you know not
1: only just D.C. but the D.M.V. area as well. You know, we have some in, in Baltimore and uh, in Maryland, and you know, they're, we're, they're all over the D.M.V. to be honest with you, and, and not only that, but it's a very unite, uh, really uh, uh, close knit community. Of the vegan restaurants you know they understand and support each other quite a bit so it's a it's actually much better than what people would imagine or can perceive
0: yeah do you do you know who chuck carroll is you ever heard of him before no he's a vegan he he runs a podcast called the examine room he lost like i think over 340 pounds i think he just has like an incredible story great podcast that I'll, i'll i'll make an intro for that one too I definitely want to help you get your message out there um, some more because we need more representative that are athletes. Uh, because you have people that are that are not necessarily athletes that are that are vegan, which is awesome. We need all types of people kind of coming in. But at the end of the day, I feel like when the Game Changer documentary came out, it it sparked something for a lot of people that are trying to build muscle that were that were worried about performance being affected, and now we're starting to get more and more people demonstrating that it's possible to be an athlete, to be a high performer on a plan-based lifestyle. And so I definitely want to help you get your the word out a little bit more.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Thank yeah.
0: you. Well, so last question for you. This one's more of a selfish one. Man, how was it playing with the Harlan Globetrotters? Because that's the only basketball game I've ever Excellent. seen, and it was incredible.
1: Uh, well, first of all, where are you located? LA? Uh,
0: I'm from Canada originally, but I'm in L.A. right now.
1: Okay, well, we're going to have to get you tickets to some NBA game too cuz you 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 made me sad when you said you've never been to an NBA game before. But
0: uh I was in Canada, we didn't have money, man. I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I'll fly to globe, DC. I'll come and see a game at one point. Come on.
1: Uh, the Globe Charters, amazing experience for me. It was, a, it was a a real pivotal point in my life, you know, when I finished college, I had went to play um overseas and I got hurt and I really didn't have a direction, which I was doing. I thought about maybe I didn't want to play basketball no more. I don't know. And uh, a friend of mine was with the Globetrotters and said, hey, you should come, come try it out. You know, you'll like it. And I went and it was the best experience ever for me. Um, you know, i made it rejuvenated my love for the game of basketball to an extent which it has carried me through everything. And it changed the way I played the game. It made me look at the game not as a business but also just took it back to the roots of it. Why I started it was just, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah. And um, the one big thing I have to say about the globe charters too, is like every game is like a home game. No one's ever cheering against you when you're at the globe charter. So it's amazing. Yeah. But also the big difference also, for those who have never been a globe charter game, um, the big difference between that and even an NBA game is a globe charter game, you'll hardly ever see, if ever, Someone that brought someone they're trying to do a business deal with to a Globetrotter game. It is the families. It is people that yeah. want to go out and bond with their kids or pass on something. I saw them. You need to see them so we can enjoy this and be this together. Compared to an NBA game, where it's, it is definitely big business. You know, you have people getting kicked yeah. out. People are getting intoxicated. People are. Uh, you know, they very rarely will take their kids. They'll rather bring their best buddy that's a big fan of that team instead and miss an opportunity to bond and become a family. But seeing all those things was amazing. And just being, being around, you know, I was right at that era where there was still those classic Globetrotters were still playing as well. So it was yeah. really great to be around that. Uh, Sweet Lou Dunbar, to play alongside him and be with him for a little bit. Billy Ray Hobley as well. Um, Curly Boo Johnson, these guys that are like, iconic members of the globe charters to be around them and learn from them. And just hear some of the stories that they have, you know, from being in the seventies and meeting with these presidents and the popes and being in these different countries, just, it's a phenomenal atmosphere to be in. What I will say that I always say this to people too, is like people don't understand how hard of a job it is because we were playing Every single day and doing double headers on Sundays. So if you can really put in okay. that in context, context, in three months, we've played almost 100 basketball games. And three months is not even a tip of the iceberg of the season of basketball. So yeah. you know, basically in three months, we've played more than a whole NBA season. So you, and That's you're not crazy. traveling NBA style. You know, A lot of times we're just going from busing from city to city to city to city. So it's definitely a lot of work but it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life and I you know I, I literally thank God for that that experience of my life because it changed the way I not only uh, viewed basketball but also my my relationship with people uh, as I became as I went on in my career I I brought that love of the game Inside of me, out to the people. I was the one that engaged yeah. the fans as I went. You know, I I wanted this dynamic style of play to transfer into me as an individual that I experienced with the Globe Charters. So, it's just an amazing experience. And and you know, again, you've been to the Globe Charters or anyone that hasn't been to the Globe Charters before, things shift up and change. It's not really the same as when I played there. It's a little bit different for sure, but it's still an amazing experience. And and I'm blessed also. These I, I just consider all the Globe Charters to be my brothers. It's like a it's a brotherhood fraternity. And like, we're all connected. So, um, even to the, to this day, ones I've never met, I still feel this fraternal bond with them because we've all gone through it, but it's a, it was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life without a doubt.
0: Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely a must watch. I I went with my dad and that's when I was like, I want to play basketball, went into high school, started playing ball, got on the team and all that fun stuff. So it was like the, the start of everything for me. Um, so, JB, man, it, I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to, to record with me. I know it's super late. You've been traveling all day. I was surprised when I saw your story that you were on a flight like an hour before we're going to record. I was like, shit, he's just on the go all the time. It's a
1: busy trip right now. We we play tonight here. I mean, tomorrow here in Portland. Then we leave right after the game. We play in Golden State the very next day. And then we fly back to D.C. right after that game. So, literally, we'll lay, we'll land about eight in the morning it'll be like a red eye back to dc and then the holidays are here so um yeah you know, we'll practice on christmas eve christmas day off and then we play both the 26th and 27th so it really never stops
0: yeah man what what, what a lifestyle it's, it's definitely different than when most people get a handle on um i i always like to end on words of wisdom anything any big lesson or thing that you you live by that you'd like to share with the audience
1: you know, I, um, one of the things I pride myself is in my consistency. And I talk about this, my players all the time, you know, that, you know, a lot of the, I have players this year is my first year being with them. And I come in and I'm like, I'm super energetic. I yell, good morning, game day, practice day, whatever it is. And they're like, yeah, we'll see if you keep doing that around game 30. I'm like, no, this is me. I'm, I'm pretty consistent yeah. in my approach. And one of the players I was talking to the other day and he said, you're like, what's your secret? You know, like I get up early every morning. I'm, I'm usually, my typical when I'm home, I'm 4.45 in the morning, 5 a.m. I'm up. I'm working out by 6 a.m. Sometimes I'm in the office by 6. And I just keep going from there. And you never see me with really a lack of energy. And I think that the one thing I, I've kind of rationalized in the last few days, and if you would have asked me probably a week ago what my words of wisdom would be, it might be different. But I've rationalized this is in the fact that Every day is an opportunity to be the best day of your life. And if you don't take advantage of that opportunity, you're you're shortchanging yourself. And not only that, but you're shortchanging uh, the opportunity for God to do something amazing in your life because you won't do your part. And a lot of it is just getting up, just stepping out, doing it and meeting everything with that. You know, if you think about um, some of these amazing experiences in your life, whether it's your wedding day, your birthday, or your first day of school, your first day at a new job, that giddy feeling you have inside of you, that should yeah. be every day. Cause you think today this could be the best day of my life. This could be, there an there's a good chance that this could be it. If it isn't tomorrow can be, but yeah. there's always going to be some golden nugget in your day. And uh, appreciate those gold nuggets of your day and always face every single day. Like it's going to, like, it's going to be the best day of your life. And when you do that, you'll see how your perspective on life changes.
0: That's beautifully put. I never thought about comparing it to like, it Made me think of like, you know, that when you're a kid, the day before Christmas, like you can't sleep. You're just like, man, I, I got to get up. Like, I'm so excited to wake up. That's, I never connected those two. Damn, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm going to think on that. Uh, when I wake up in the morning and when I go to bed. That's awesome. Um, JB, man, massive thank you for jumping on the show. I'm very excited to uh, to hear more of your story on different podcasts. Also, I'm going to make those intros for you uh, to make sure that we can impact more people and ultimately serve the world and make veganism the the standard ultimately so we can replace meat eating. And then it's kind of weird if you eat meat, right? Like, why are you consuming so much protein versus where do you get your protein from? Exactly. And, uh, yeah. And do and anything you'd like for me to, to promote that I can put in the description for you?
1: No, I mean, honestly, I guess just my, uh, just my Instagram page is a big thing and kind of going from there and, uh, and vice versa. If there's something I can do, please let me know. I think what you're doing is, is, is amazing. Just get that information out and using your platform for such an amazing cause is, is quite commendable.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. And for everyone listening, hope you enjoyed the episode. Again, I'll put JB's Instagram down below so you can go and follow him, look at his, his travels and awesome food pictures. And uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to rate the podcast as it helps us grow and spread our message. And if you know this will help and resonate with someone, be sure to send it their way so that they can have the opportunity to level up their life as well.